Hey guys, um, in this episode, we talk a lot about sexual assault, and yeah, if it's something you don't want to hear, or if it's maybe throwing some earbuds if you have the kids around. Hello and welcome to the Jordan High 2004 podcast. This is Gonzo. And this is Steve. Steve, how's the how's it going? It's good, yeah. I, I think I feel like winter's coming to an end, and you can just kind of feel it in the air that it's kind of warming up. The sun's coming up. The birds are chirping. Okay, so today at work, there was like a um, special training, and they had a taco truck come for lunch. So, like, we were able to get <laughs> some tacos, and then we just sat at, at the curb, like outside, and we're eating lunch. It's like the sun was shining. So nice. So I got a... It was nice. So the house right across from us, they've been like remodeling it, so they're, they're going to rent it out, whoever. And... The people that they have fixing it up, like, look kind of crazy. Like, these big, huge, like, dirty guys. And, which is fine. <laughs> but Natalie texted me and was like, I'm really nervous. This guy has been, like, laying on the grass in front of her house for, like, four hours. And so she sends me these pictures and this, like, this big, heavy guy and his huge belly is just out and his hand is, like, halfway down his pants. And she's like, I'm really nervous. Yeah. I don't, like, and she's like, three of her friends called and were like, did you know there's a homeless guy asleep in front of your house? And so she was like, I don't know what to do. I don't want the kids to go out there. So she's like, will she you open the- up the door? Like, hey, you, get out of here. So she was like, can you call the cops? And I was like, sure. Hey, so I called the police and say, there's this guy asleep. Like my wife's just nervous and whatever. But she didn't want to tell them, hey, we called the cops on you. <laughs> yeah. But then as soon as I get home, the cops are like, hey, did you call the police? I'm like, yes, that was me. <laughs> cat's out of the bag but he was just because they've been like working all night and he was just tired so he fell like dead asleep on the grass it's like when <laughs> when you tell a teacher on like another kid <laughs> and then they're like don't use my name <laughs> and then I, yeah so that was really weird it was moral of the story it was a really nice day today that yeah, guy fell asleep for four hours in our he was just the front enjoying yard. the day <laughs> he um, was a really weird guy but you know he was nice. He he should have just... It's okay to take a nap. Just keep your hand out of your pants. <laughs> yeah. Just that. Um, we wanted to say thank you to Lacey. She sent in one of those voice memos. This is our last one. Yeah. So, here's Lacey. Hey, guys. So, I saw the screenshot you sent me, and I was going to ignore it and move on with my life and pretend I never saw it. <laughs> but... After pondering about it for a few days, I realized that even though my 2021 sucked and I didn't think that I had anything constructive to add to your podcast with voice memos, I needed to at least get on and tell you that my 2021 had a bright spot in it, and that was you guys in this podcast and all the connections that came along with it, and I just appreciate the heck out of you guys. Like... You're the sweetest humans ever. Who would have thought (laughs) that the idiot boys that grew up down the street from me would turn out to be some really amazing people? I would have lost a bet if I'm being honest. (laughs) But I'm just, I'm so grateful for you in this podcast and everything that came out of it. It really helped pull me in the direction of good. I learned in 2021. And yes, I've known this because people say it all the time. But if I'm being honest, I just assumed I was immune from this because I did. So 
I learned that we all have a capacity to handle and deal and to give and that, yes, you can actually reach the end of that. And it's not pretty. (laughs) And I reached it. So I've spent the last few months pulling myself out and really working on myself. And your guys' messages have just been great. I appreciate them so much as I'm opening up more and about the situation more about what's going on on social media as I've been a little more vulnerable it's been nice to have the feedback you guys are great so I have had to learn how to take care of myself so that's something I've learned in 2021 another thing that I learned (laughs) because one of you asked me in our episode who is Lacey and I didn't have an answer for you I could not even like wrap my head around the question and fathom being anything other than mom because I've just been a caregiver and a mom for forever. Like my daughter is 17. She just graduated high school early. She'll be 18 in June. I have been a mom my entire adult life. So that's the only thing I could fathom to say to you. But that's really bothered me. Like, why am I not a person? (laughs) So I have worked on an answer for you. I've spent the last few months really trying to figure it out because that's just really kind of pathetic that I only had that answer for you. So here is more of what I've, I've learned that Lacey is. Lacey is more than a mom. Lacey loves openly and big and freely who is understanding and kind and giving and who loves Harry Potter and a silly little love story, who is actually pretty funny and should probably stop making jokes and laughing at inappropriate times. Learn your audience in your place, but I mean, we'll get there. So um, I am someone who loves to create and write and read. I am someone who finds joy easily. I am a lover of music and cheering people on and learning and growing and teaching. I am passionate about so many things and I want so bad to help others find joy as easily as I find joy. And I just want everyone to be happy and celebrate their whatever they have going on. And I hope to keep learning and growing and hopefully I'll have a better answer for you. But for now, that's what I've got. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much, Lacey. That was so nice. I really, like, I'm really happy that um, we've connected back with Lacey. Yeah. She's great, and I love that she sent that in. I love that she, you know, follows us and helps share the podcast. And so thank you very much, Lacey. Thanks. So, uh, Steve, who do we have on tonight? We are going to be talking with Bradley Piles. BJ Piles. BJ Piles. Oh, that's exciting. I'm really excited. Um, we've we've kind of reconnected with him over the last little bit, the last few weeks, couple months maybe. Yeah. I, I wasn't like friends with him in high school. I know he was very friendly, like a very nice guy, just very cordial, but I didn't, I don't think I spent, I don't think I hung out with him even one time. Me either. It's like we were really friendly, always said hi to each other, but that's, that's really about it. Yeah. So... He's been listening to the podcast. He's all excited about it. I think he's been like sharing it more than anybody right now, telling like, hey, you got to listen to this. And so um, we thought that'd be great to, to have him on and 
And uh, so I'm really looking forward to this one. Cool. Here's our conversation with BJ. BJ, welcome to Gonzo's Basement. <laughs> Thank you. Happy to be here. It's great to have you. I love it in person. I think it's so much better than on a computer. So thanks for coming and doing this in person. You bet. I'm glad I could come over. I agree. <laughs> I think on the on the computer screen, it gets a little less personal, less intimate, I guess. Yeah. So it's nice to be here. I also like to see people's homes. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> <laughs> Algonzo's work in his basement. Yeah. So it's... It's nice. I'm ha- I'm happy to show it off. Yeah, <laughs> see all the things that he talks about all the time. Yeah, it's like hard work. <laughs> well, steal the tape on the door. Yeah, no, I said like half done. Yeah, all the all the hard work not done yet. Yeah, yeah, it's livable. Well, catch us up. Let us uh, let us find out where you where you've been, where you're at. What are you up to now? Yeah, so currently I'm a stay at home dad. I have been for about a year and a half. My wife works for an awesome company and. About, let's see, well, a year and a half ago, uh, we just made the decision, kind of took that leap of faith. At the time, we didn't really know how it would work and um, kind of just, as we were talking about it, it just kind of worked, you know, like she got a raise right after she got promoted, um, gave me an opportunity to kind of clear my head to like business, the business world can be stressful and I was in sales and felt like always having a metric, you know, is is hard. And I needed a break, I think mentally, you know what I mean? Where it was just like, I've been fighting since high school to just find a career. Um, and I just hadn't found anything, nothing really landed. So been doing that. Um, I know everyone probably is familiar with my high school, you know, senior year where my girlfriend, Chelsea got pregnant. Um, so I have a 17-year-old, which is crazy to say. You know, she'll be 18 this year. Um, got remarried. Been married for 10 years next month. Have three awesome kids with my my wife now. Um, just trying to think what else. Lost all my hair. That's that's new. <laughs> it's 20, like 26, 25, something like that when I lost it all. So You look good, bald. Hey, thanks. <laughs> you have that sweet beard. Uh, <laughs> I know. I always shave it off there, so... <laughs> but no man I, I just kind of I think what, with what everybody else has been saying you know you're just trying to find your way as an adult as a parent I've had multiple jobs you know going through I, I worked at T-Mobile for a long time that was kind of my high not my high school but my college job to get me through um then met my wife and she was kind of always been my sugar mama um but other than that that's about it's kind of it. And we're neighbors. You're just like, Oh yeah, and we're neighbors. You're just like less than two minutes away here. I know, which is crazy. I didn't even know that. So Yeah. We're way close. And with Cody Draper and Yeah. Sounds like Jose and a bunch of other people. A whole bunch of people are out here, yeah. So Which is awesome. Cameron Swenson. Yeah. If you're listening, Cameron. Yeah, we just found that out at Pickleball. <laughs> yeah. He is close. <laughs> yeah. And BJ, tell us so tell us a little bit. I mean you did mention a little bit about your high school. Which I, you said most people, I didn't know your bro, your girlfriend got pregnant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> By the way, guys, everyone, um, my girlfriend got pregnant in high school. No, uh, yeah, it's uh, my but, our senior year, and she was a junior. But, yeah, tell us about who you were, who, how you saw yourself back then, who was BJ in high school. Man, seriously, I think about this question every time I watch the podcast, how I'd answer that question. I was broken, and I was fighting demons that... I probably shouldn't have been having to fight at that age. 
felt just the weight of the world on my shoulders trying to impress people, you know, live a high standard, but I kind of felt like I was living a double life. But really, I just felt lost. I felt like I was looking for connection in wrong ways or with the wrong type of, not even the wrong type of people. I loved everyone that I made connections with in high school, honestly, but I just didn't know how to like find those connections, like really let my true colors come through. I think there are a few people that I opened up to, but for the most part, I just kind of held it in. I kind of felt like a ticking time bomb. Why did you feel broken? What, I mean, how, how were you broken? Ah, uh, man. So, so when I was 10, I was sexually abused. Um, and it just changed my world, you know, the way that I perceived things, the way I felt about myself. Felt like I, I lost my innocence. I lost myself, my self worth. It's kind of interesting because like I had listened to Missy's podcast and actually reconnected with her. And I just asked her the question, like why people were ever attracted to me as a person, you know, and she like told me just like that I carried this light, but I felt like that light died that at that time. And I always was just fighting that demon inside of like just who I was, you know, and it just, it just was a really hard time. And I didn't, didn't know who to talk to or who to share it with. I think, I mean, I had good friends and I had a good family, but I just was embarrassed. You know, you you yeah. feel guilt and shame and kind of like blame yourself for. Absolutely. hundred percent. I still do to this day. You just carry this weight where you're like, why didn't I punch him in the face? Or why didn't I do this? And people always ask those questions, you know, and you're like, I was 10 years old. I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know what was occurring. It's hard when you trust people and you don't know that they're taking advantage of you I think as I look back you know like I you always tell yourself well I would have done it different you know but I just I just didn't have the knowledge or the education didn't know that somebody could do that to you I think that's part of the innocence that was gone but I think that that really affected my life later on because I wanted to connect with people but I felt I felt like I always had girlfriends you know, like not just one-on-one girlfriend, but like girlfriends because I was afraid of men. Um, I felt uncomfortable around them. I felt scared. I had tons of insecurities. I wouldn't change in front of other people, like in men's locker rooms, like stuff like that. Like I just, I just wouldn't do it. Yeah. Um, and so it just, it just altered my mind. It altered my, my life. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I mean, and I mean, I know you know this, but it wasn't your fault. I know it's it's interesting when like you're the person because it doesn't feel it doesn't feel that way. You know, you feel like it is your fault because it's something that feels good. It's emotions and, and expressions that you just weren't ever exposed to at that age. You know, and yeah. when it feels good and you don't know any better, you know, it just is hard. But like more of that story was that like the way that he, he enticed me was with pornography and show me images. And he saw that that was something that like spiked my interest. And then that's how he got what he wanted is that he would show you these images and he didn't care about them. He just cared about, you know, taking advantage of me. And 
I think the part that hurts the most is like when you find out that it happened to other people and it had you spoken up or had you said something like the outcomes could have changed for other kids. Um, I think that's where more of my guilt comes is that I just didn't speak up. Um, but it's affected my life like every day of my life and it caused, you know, suicidal thoughts, caused me to never be able to trust people fully. It, it affected my life. Like it affected my relationship with Chelsea. It affected my relationship with my parents. And I didn't ever tell them, you know, and I never had that conversation actually until like three weeks ago with my dad. He had no idea that I was headed into pornography addiction and he had no idea that I was molested. And I told my mom at one point, but I told her I had it under control and nothing needed to happen, you know, but I didn't have anything under control. It's just really, really hard. I mean, it's hard to have something under control when you're that yeah, young. Yeah, of course. Um, and I don't know that there's like a, I don't know, how do you, you don't know what to do in those moments. And like, you can't go back and change the past. But like in these conversations you had, like you talked to your dad, like, was that a, was that a good conversation? Was he understanding or was it like, I wonder what that was like. Maybe that's too personal. You don't no. have, you don't have to answer any of these questions if you don't want to. I think for me, I just, I think it helps people understand maybe who I was in high school and why maybe I was the way that I was. And if I hurt anybody, maybe they'll give me a little bit of grace, you know, maybe a little bit of mercy. But uh, yeah, it was actually like, it was amazing, to be honest. Like my dad, to see his reaction was like what I wanted to see all along, you know, it was like just this like dad instinct, like, where is he? And I want to take care of him kind of thing, you know, and um that was that was an awesome moment for me. I felt like I wanted somebody to protect me because I always felt like I protected other people. You know, growing up, I'd get in fights for other people, and it just was my instinct. Like, I just care about people, and if they can't take care of themselves, I want to take care of them or take do what I can, you know. And to hear my dad be that that vocal about something just brought a little bit of peace to my mind knowing that he would have done something had I said something to him. Um, but I didn't have that relationship with him when I was younger. So just never, I even told my mom not to tell my dad, you know, so she kept her word and I don't know. I, looking back, I should have told him maybe something would have like, well, I know something would have happened. He would have taken care of it, you know, hmm. but I can't change that. When, when you were in high school, so you talked about how you, you had all these demons and all these things that you were facing. What were the things that you, you did value? Like what, what occupied your, your time and your, your efforts during that time? Friendships. Um, I feel like I had a variety of friends. People always say that that was kind of like my gift is I could connect with people. I just felt like I could connect because I was hurting. And everyone is hurting, but like, I just loved feeling, I loved feeling something other than pain. And if I could connect with a friend or I could connect with a family member, like that, that was everything to me, you know? And I think that that's why I still stay friends with some people and it still matters to me. Like you'll ask what I'm passionate about and that's it. Like I like just love being a friend. Um, I think everyone needs a good one, and I think everyone needs somebody that, you know, will be there. 
and they know that they can count on you and they know that you can empathize with them in some way. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, just wanted to connect. Hmm. I, I do wonder, like, has, uh, has your childhood or how you were as a child, does that, how does that affect you, like, as a parent? Like, I know, like, for me, I'm, I'm kind of extra paranoid about, like, sexual abuse, about, like, trying to protect my kids. And I don't know if it's just, if I'm just vigilant or, or, like, hyper vigilant or too, or maybe sometimes not enough. Like, it's, but I, I feel like I think about, how much I'm thinking about it. Does that make sense to you? Like, am I, and then I'm gauging, like, am I thinking about it too much because of something that happened to me as a kid? Like, or am I thinking about it the right amount of, do you understand kind of what I'm asking? Yeah, it's just like, am I screwed up and now I'm gonna like, like, am I doing this in a weird way or am I, or is this okay? It's like, do you think that, like, has this affected you as, like, when you're parenting your boys? Absolutely. 100%. 100%. Like, key example is I have three boys and I wouldn't even bathe them. I was so paranoid, you know, like I didn't want to. And if I did, I would never wash their private parts because it would, it made me nervous. It made me scared and I never wanted them to question it, you know. And and my wife saw this and she, you know, was like, it's okay. Like, you're just, you know, you're their dad and you're washing their, their parts. And I was like, yeah, but it like... I don't ever want them to think that it, it there was ever an ill intent, you know, like, but it, it's just my own insecurities of it because it doesn't, it just messes you up if something like that happens. But yeah, I, I worry about my kids getting sexually assaulted all the time. Like I'm at the curiosity museum and I got to make sure that they're not going to the bathroom by themselves. And you know, if there's kids even like hovering over my kids, I'm making sure that nothing happens because it can happen so quick. And that's the thing is like, you think that it wouldn't happen in the public, but these perpetrators are happy to do it wherever, wherever they see an opportunity or somebody vulnerable or a dark place, like they'll take advantage of you. I think that's just, it's crazy. Cause like, I know you've Gonzo, I know Gonzo has talked about this stuff before. Like yeah. What and, happened with and him and- like my experience is nothing compared to yours. It's like that, you know, I was just inappropriately touched as a child and it, but it, it's something that has like, I think affected me like negatively till to, till today, you know, it's right. still like, it totally. still affects me. So it's just like, I do wonder about like the way that I act as a parent, the way I'm like not trusting of other adults, like with my children, I, it it's hard for us to like, it's hard for me to like get a babysitter. Like it's but totally because I just don't trust other adults and I don't, and like, I don't want to be offensive to someone. And when they're like, Oh, we watch your kids. And I'm always like, nah, you know, is it- <laughs> <laughs> I totally, I totally, get that. I totally and get it's that. like, it's not a, a judgment on them. It's me. It's like, right. it's my insecurity. And then also it's just like, I'm sorry. I don't know you, you know, yeah, like-, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like, I don't know what you're going to do. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So, so I mean, I, I wonder about like, how like your thoughts on it or how you felt about it because it's like i know for me i've 
like a yeah, that, like that's something that's old kind of always on always your mind. in my mind. Yeah, it yeah. is always on your mind. I mean, like for me being a stay at home dad, right? I'll try to have my kids have play dates, but like it's hard as a, as a male, right? Right? Because I think people perceive men as more of a perpetrator than like a woman. Because unfortunately, like the statistics it, yeah, are the statistics are, are that way, and it should yes. be that way, and you should be concerned. But like we had a girl come over to play with my my middle child, and I like I called. That her dad and I was like, "Hey man, if you guys feel uncomfortable by for any reason, I understand. Don't I won't take offense to that, but like I understand your girl's coming over to like I'm watching your daughter, but I want to let you know like my wife's upstairs and if she needs to use the restroom, she can take her to the restroom. I can send you guys videos, I can send you pictures, I can do whatever. But I like don't think that I'm not thinking about that either. Yeah, you know what I mean. And he was like, "Oh my gosh, just the fact that you call and say that like." that makes me feel more confident in you, obviously, you know, and I just think it's, it is always on your head on, on my mind, well, you know, because I've like, been watching other kids, but some people are like not worried about it. They're like whatever, yeah. go to the neighbor's house, you know, and it's just totally. like, yeah, totally. And I, I worry about it all the time. And even around my own family, like you just, I, I, have I know. A, and, it, and at the same time you feel guilty yep. because you're like, I don't want to, it's just like, I don't want to think of my dad ever doing something. Correct. But then my head, head, I'm like, but maybe, I don't know. It's just like, you know. But you never know. But you, you never know. Because you never know. the people and that they trust, right? And you're like, yeah. And you feel guilty because like, I don't want to ever think like that my family or my wife's family or, or someone that I perceive as someone I trust would ever be capable or something like that. But then at the same time, I, in my brain, I do. And it's like not a, a judgment on them. It's all, it's all me, but I still do, you yeah. know? And then, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's really hard, but you're playing, you just playing the caution, the cautious card rather than handing your kid over to somebody that like, I mean, I can't imagine the guilt I would feel if, somebody that I handed my kids over to that I said I trusted would then take advantage of my children. But I, then you find out 20 years later. Right. Exactly. And that's, that. I mean, that's the hardest part, right? It's yeah. And that's something I, and I, I don't know about you, but I tell my kids and I always feel like, like I want them to like get it. And, but I don't want to, I also want a balance of like not over say it right. and make it, make them feel like something's going to happen. Right. But it's just like, Hey, please like talk to mom and dad. Like, you know, if anything, if anyone touches you or if anyone just asks to, like, you know, look at something, you know, right. because then we see, like, you know, through our doorbell camera, like, the kids are talking, you know, just the kids out in the street, right. like, talking about their underwear or something or showing each other their underwear. And then it's just, like, like brought them all in <laughs> and be like, okay, let's have a talk or something. Yeah. But, you know, it's just, like, that they didn't come and tell us, like, we just happened to, like hear it over the doorbell so it's just like okay it's just like no please tell us if like something happens which is hard too because it's like you're so innocent at that age you like like my kids run around their underwear all the time you know like in the house it's like can i be in my underwear you're like yeah that's fine but like they don't understand that it's like not a like social norm to be in your underwear all the time but yeah like to, to answer your question i think it's always on your head like always on your mind right you're you're worried about your children but like having been in a situation where, you know, you're taken advantage of, like, you know, how, how quick it can happen. It's people that you trust, you know, like it, it just, it just, it's unfortunate in every way because you have to be cautious of who's watching your kids or where your kids are at, because I mean, it can happen anywhere at any time with anyone. And that's what I learned. 
It's nuts. So how then, how are you different now? Fast forward 18 years. Honestly, like I was trying to think about this question because I feel like in a lot of these scenarios and a lot of these podcasts, we're very similar, right? I think you have these core aspects of who you are. And I think that I'm still, I'm still looking for who I am, I think, in a lot of ways. Like, how do I express myself and connect with people in like a positive way rather than like maybe a desperate way or like a painful way? Um, I think that I've changed in the fact that like I have more information and knowledge on life in general, but like, I feel like it gives you kind of this, this like sensory of like people that you like want to avoid or could have a tendency or might be a threat to your kids, you know? But I mean, I think the hardest part too, with all of this being said is like, I have a half brother that like ended up in prison for the same thing, you know, and come to find out he was molested and in multiple times. And I think that that's the hardest part is like these people that are doing it are also probably victims of sexual abuse and so i think that's what people don't understand a lot of the times that's why like i am fearful all the time because it's like i've never felt like i've had those tendencies but all these other people have these tendencies right and i'm like the exact opposite where like i don't understand it because it hurts you so bad and it destroys your life it really does like it destroys your relationships it destroys your 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 confidence like i that's something i've been fighting for for 30 I don't know, I was 10, so 26 years, you know, you're just fighting for this confidence, this self-worth, like some kind of value, and you just can't find it. Like, it was taken away, you know, and then you, it's it's hard because like with pornography, you get addicted to this this thing that was introduced to you to take advantage of you, so you think that you would hate that, but like at the same time, it was something that was like so exciting, and then it becomes a part of your life, right? And then it destroys relationships and it destroys like it destroys you internally it literally is like this this poison that is like eating you inside and you don't really realize it until like your soul's like dark is dark you know and i feel like it's something that you just try to work on every day but like you never you never kind of find peace from it because it's everywhere you know and you can get it in a click and you can see it on billboards and you know, like when you're addicted to it for so long, like your triggers are a lot less. You don't need as much to be triggered. And I think it's just one of those things that needs to be addressed and talked about, I feel like, because I think more people are have a, a struggle or a challenge with it than we want to admit. But like at the same time, it's just like when you're living an LDS life, you know, as a member of the church, but like you're you're conflicted 100%, right? Because I felt guilty and my perpetrator is fulf- like fulfilling his call and doing what he's supposed to be doing and has all, and people love him and people are like criticizing me for who I am because I was acting out because I was hurting, you know, and this guy's like putting on this front and then he ends up, you know, molesting three other people in our ward. And so it's hard because it's like, as you sit there and you're watching this and you're like literally dying day by day. And he's just living the dream. It feels like, I mean, I'm sure he dealt with his own stuff, but like rocks your world. It makes you question everything. It makes you question God. It makes you question yourself. It makes you question 
people, integrity, you know, all of it. Like, you just don't know. Like, but so you're talking about how you're kind of still finding yourself um, as a change, but do you still feel in a way like that your soul is darkened? Yeah, I fight. I fight. I feel like I fight the same demon all all the time. And you, you just, I've never been able to get over it. I think because it like affected my life so much. Like I wanted better relationships in high school. I wanted to be a better student. I couldn't commit to a sport because I just, I was all over the place, you know? And it was like, I, I had good friends. I think that that, that's like really what saved me. And I, looking back, like I even, you know, I called Ryan Borgmeyer and he's one of those guys that like, I called him and I told him, I was like, you talked about being a chameleon, but he did it out of respect. Like that was the coolest thing about Ryan. He respected everyone. He respected who you were and, and, and I, he was one that was like really helpful to me, you know, like I wasn't the best of friends to him, but he always stood by my side and, um, Paul Curtis, you know, he's one that like, I'm still best friends with today. Like we've had conversations, you know, and I think it's just hard cause it's like, you just wish you would have been better to him better friends at those moments, those pivotal times in life, because I wish I could have seen past myself, but my problems just seem so big. And then hearing these podcasts, like everybody had problems and I wish I just would have been a better person. I wish I could have reached out. I wish I could have been there for Hamza. You know, I wish I could have been there for the people that were also hurting in their own way. And I wasn't, you know, I was caught up in my own, but all of us were, right? Yeah. In a way, we were all having a hard time looking past our nose. You know, there's a few, a handful of people, like the Danny Stockings that people have come up there, like, they are the that one person that is reaching out, that is, like, yeah. that nice person. But for the most part, we're all, like, looking at ourselves the whole time. Um, and... You know, it's like what Steve and I have found and yeah, you found is that all of us were in and all of us were struggling. Mm -hmm. Some of us harder than others, of course, but uh, all of us were just so self-centered, right? I know. I just, it's just hard when you look back, you know, because I think that there are pivotal moments in your life where you could have probably impacted somebody else's life in a positive way by sharing your story, yeah. by like opening up and just like being like, hey man, I, I don't understand your pain, but like we're both feeling pain, you know, and like, let's, I think, I think that's why to this day I still care so much about people is because I know everyone has their story or a story or a pivotal time in their life that like they either want to share or no one's ever asked them about. And I think that that's the hardest part is it's like, how do we get people to share their story, you know, mm -hmm. to really understand who they are. Like, it makes a lot more sense when you hear what you're going, like what Gonzo is going through, you know, with not having papers and, and it's something you don't talk about. Right. But like yeah. at 15, I don't even know if I knew whether that was, you know what I mean? Like, what does that even mean? You know, like, yeah. so how would I help you in the same instance? It's like when you tell somebody, Hey, like I was sexually abused. What can they do? Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, 
how much do you share with somebody and how do you really get the help that you need and how do you know people will believe you when you say it because the perpetrator is going to deny it they always do right of course and so for me it was just hard because like i felt like i felt so embarrassed that like there was no way i was going to say anything you know and i didn't i didn't for a long time when I was talking to you the other day, I think you, because you just talked about how you want to reach out to people and connect so bad. I think you said the other day that there, people want to talk and they want to share. And it might be like, but just asking like one more question. It's like, it's right there beneath the surface. And as soon as you show like a genuine interest and a, sh- a genuine care for this person, they would be willing to share. And I, you know, it's been fun. Like, cause we, we reconnected over the last couple of months. Like we've been, yeah. doing stuff together and and uh and everything you're saying i feel is true like we always have these great conversations the kids get to go and play and just do whatever and we get to just connect and it's been really fun to to do that but also just to feel like there's a lot of depth there there's a lot behind these things and you're right like we can't go back like you hear about something that happens man like 25 years ago and all we can do is just like recognize it for what it is and then move forward like sharing your story like sharing your story now can help all of us who like i have a question for you after this but like you have a 17 year old all of us have there's a few of us in our class now that have some teenagers that are getting up there as well and and all of us with younger kids like hearing a story like this will can hopefully open our eyes like hey maybe i should be watching out for this maybe i you know i know for me like in the bishopric i have to interview all these people ask them for callings doing all these things i never ever am alone with somebody ever like when i'm talking to like one of the kids like i talk to their parents first like hey i'm gonna talk to your kid about this uh can you talk to your kid and like do this with me and then if i do any like the younger people like if they're rearranging like a young women's class like i'll do it in the gym with all the people in the gym like hey come over to this corner with me so we can talk about this like thing after i've talked with their parents after like hey parent you see me working with this kid here like i'm never alone but it's because you never know. Right. And, and I think just sharing the story and connecting with people, that's how you can help. That's how we can heal. That's how we can hopefully help each other and help our kids be safer and smarter and more educated because we we can't change the past, but we can use our experiences to hopefully change the outcome from now on. I think it opens people's eyes too. And like you share something I'm in the young men's, you know, in my ward. And when I shared my story, it like affected the kids and you could, you could see it like, Oh man, he struggles. Like he has real issues. He has, he's going through something similar or something. You know what I mean? Like with pornography, even like people are like, what? Yeah, we all deal with it. But it's, it's just hard. Cause it's like, I feel like, like what you're talking about. I think that that's like where my passion for people come, comes in is it's just like, I've had, I've had really good friends, you know, and, and I want to be that friend. I want to be that person that asks that additional question. I want to be that person that like finds out like, how are you really doing? Like the surface level stuff just isn't like at 36, like I don't want that. I want the real connection. I want to know what's really going on in your life. I want to know the real struggles. Like, cause I'm probably going through something similar, right? Like with our kids, like, as we were talking before the podcast, like it can be challenging, like really challenging. And your life may seem bliss on like to everyone else on the outside, but there's some serious internal stuff going on that like 
I was talking to my brother at golf the day, and I just said, the interesting thing I learned about life is you never get a break. It's just a different challenge. So it gives you a break from what you were thinking about before, you know, but it's like, it's, there's always something. Everyone has something going on. It might not be like catastrophic, but it's still something that's pulling a lot more of their attention that way. And as you, like, you're trying to be, we talked about, you're trying to be a good parent. It's like, but what does that mean? (laughs) You know, you're just, you're just doing your best and, you know, trying to, just trying to be good. Like that. Some days you just want to keep them alive and other days you're like, maybe I'll teach them something. Like that's how it feels, you know, like I just don't know. Like, how's it going to be today? Is my youngest going to be okay or is he not going to be okay? You know? So. Then going back to like how you've changed today, you say you're still fighting with your demons, but how far along are you in the fight and what have been the things that have helped you like in the fight? Man, it's been, you know, on and off therapy. Well, a solid, solid eight years of therapy. I had one therapist for eight years. He retired. Before that, I had a bunch that I I had. I mean, therapy. Therapy is huge for me. I feel like, you know, people can give you insights and people can help you understand, like, your own feelings and emotions. And I think that that was one thing that really helped me. And, and it's also just learning that, it, like, certain things are okay and it's normal, like, blaming yourself for being molested. Like that was one thing that I felt like, I think you understand, but like you don't fully digest, if that makes sense. I think you still think I should know better because I'm me and like, I am, you know, it's like, it's okay for other people. It's not their fault. Yeah. Me, it it is my fault. hundred percent. It's like totally 100% my fault, (laughs) but it's not your fault. You know, like, but yeah, you just, yeah, yeah, you feel that way. You really do. And I think for me with therapy, so anyone out there that's looking for therapy, just know that it takes time to find a a good therapist. Um, But like mine that I had for eight years, like I would have never thought that that would have been the perfect match for me. He was obviously older because he retired, but like he was, became like my best friend, you know, and he invested in my life and he, he would do things that like I felt like therapists probably wouldn't do, but he'd like text me and see how I was doing with pornography or he would text me and see how I was doing just to check in. Cause I told him I needed someone to check in on me, you know, just something like that where it was just, once you find that right person, you know, you know, it's going to be good and you know, it's going to be like, you can be open and honest and raw with them. That was the biggest thing for me is like how open and honest I got, you know, like, all right, this person's not going to judge me and they're here to help me. I know that's how we all kind of like should feel about friends and family, but for some reason we have reservations and judgment or whatever, but that's what like Joe really taught me. Um, I just, I'm just unloaded, you know, and he just took it step by step and helped me. And now my therapist is phenomenal. And I felt like my mom had a, had a hand in that. I'm just so grateful, you know, for therapists and, and what they do because I think there are a lot of people that need them, you know, and they make a big difference in your life if, if you allow it to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing. Yeah. I wanted to ask, because you, you brought, you've brought it up a few times, what was it like being a senior in high school that got his girlfriend pregnant? Like, what did those following months and years look like? the hardest thing 
period. Again, going back to just being a member of the church, I hope people understand, like, there was a pressure on you as, as a youth to be just like this higher standard, this better person, not than anybody else, but like your best version of yourself. I think sometimes you got lost in that, you know, and man, just how, how my world came crashing down once the news came out. I remember telling my mom and my dad, this is seven months after Chelsea was pregnant. We hadn't told anybody. Um, Chelsea's mom found out, you know, took her to the doctor. When I sat my parents down, my dad was like, I knew it was either Chelsea was pregnant or you were going on a mission, you know, and those are two extreme differences. But like, that's the reality of my world. You know, that was, that was the world I was in. I could go to church and, and do those things and put on that face. And then I was living this other, this other, other life. Um, and my mom just cried. And I don't think I've ever felt more pain in my life than in that moment when my mom just said nothing and cried. And then, and then it was a fight on my own, you know, went to Chelsea's parents and they blamed me for it all. And we're too young to stand up for ourselves. So you take the blame of on that and then trying to process being a father, you know, trying to process getting through, getting Chelsea through school, just all like the, what do you do? You know, how do you, how do you, how do you go forward from here? I hadn't had a job at that time. So I had to go get a job. I had to, do we move out together? Do we get married? What, what do we do? It just was different. And I felt I isolated myself. I didn't talk to many people about it. My parents weren't overly supportive. Yeah, I want to ask, like, did you feel like your support system kind of disappeared as, like, or once you got your girlfriend pregnant and people knew about it, like, did a lot of your friends, like, stick around? Or, like, do you feel like people were treating you different? Or... Honestly, it's like a blur. Or did you, like, I just don't remember. Honestly, like, I felt isolated. And whether I isolated myself or not, like, that's how you felt. You felt like you're on this deserted island. And I mean, I could imagine, and I don't know, it's like, it, it obviously depends the, based on congregation. Like, word per word, each word is different. But I could, I could see people kind of all of a sudden start ignoring you at church. Like, comments, you know, people, yeah, I didn't have support. That's the bottom line. It was me fighting a battle. I mean, it was just hard. It was like the way that people would treat my brother, my little brother. You know, he was a few years younger than us and just some of the comments that were made to him. And, and it just, it's not, instead of like showing true, genuine love and care, it was more of like this, okay, now face your consequences of your actions rather than being like, there's another kid. There's a kid that is involved in this. It's yeah. not just me. You can hate me. That's fine. But like, love the kid. You know, and I felt like with Chelsea, it was hard because it was, you know, we, she had a whole nother year to go through and she was pregnant and then had a baby, you know what I mean? So it was hard on her and I felt like her parents, you know, they became really involved in, in Kennedy's life and my parents just didn't and just, and I had that conversation with my dad and I told him, I was like, I needed you and you weren't there. Like that's flat out the truth. Like I, I needed help. 
I didn't know what I was doing. I, I was young. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and again, like people have kids when they're young and yeah. by choice, like, it's not like people don't do that, but when you're not ready, you know, it's hard. I mean, and Chelsea's parents made us break up, which made no sense to me, but it, it is what, what it was. And that was my reality was my world came crashing down. Not only it's changing because I'm going to have a kid, but then it was like all the options, right? Every parent wants you to see all the options. Well, there was only one option for Chelsea and myself, and that was to keep the baby. Like there was no way I was giving my kid up. Like I just couldn't do it. And Chelsea felt the same way, you know, but when your parents are like, well, look at all these other options, abortion, adoption. But like we waited because we knew that that might be somebody's option that they thought was actually an option, you know? Yeah. Well, when she's seven months pregnant, abortion. You can't. Yeah. It's out of the picture, but that's literally why we waited, you know, but she's wearing sweatshirts and like, like, I mean, (laughs) just that was, that was life, you know? Yeah. To answer your, like, it just, my life changed, man. It was hard. And I think what I'd have to tell anybody, you know, that listens to the podcast is like, regardless of your kids' choices, they still need you. Period. And they might tell you that they don't, but they do. Like, they need you. And you might not get along. You might not agree with all their decisions, but like, supporting them and loving them is number one, should always be number one. So then has it been hard to be in your daughter's life as like, it seems like you're like Chelsea's parents or maybe your, your parents too kind of wanted you guys apart. So then at first, I mean, and then we waited two years and we got married and I wanted to check this cause you guys were like saying that you don't fact check. Yeah. Like, I, don't, fact don't check, check I have a divorce decree, but no, like, um, we got, we got, we got married and we got divorced. Right. But we got married in May. And separated in July and then divorced. Like it takes a year. They make you like, I swear they made us stay together for a year, but we were separated and lived our own lives. So we went and did our own things. She got a boyfriend. I got a girlfriend. Like we just, we were done, you know? And that's really fast. Fast. Yeah. And we waited two years. So it wasn't like we got married to like, it was just as soon as, as soon as you got married. Did you realize, like, no, nah, we're not going to work, like, as a married couple? Like, that's really I sad. just was selfish. I think that that was a big part of it. I was selfish. Um, we were so young to, like, even know. And we had already gone through having a kid in high school. Yeah. And trying to figure that that out. And then we had our parents on the other side. And, you know, like, I, one of my biggest regrets is, like, just not moving in with Chelsea and not getting married. And just trying to see if we can coexist. Because, like... When you add a child in, you don't really, I mean, you think you're in love with somebody, but are you really in love with somebody? And then you have a kid with somebody and you're trying to like figure out if that's, that's right, you know, in the right course of action. I think what we just realized is like, or what I realized, I can't speak for Chelsea, but just we were, her and I were a lot alike, but we also were different. And I, I think we just realized that it was better, that we were better apart. And we work together. And for Kennedy's sake, you know, you want a, a better home environment, I think. Again, I was selfish. I think that that was a big part of it. Like, I just, I couldn't see past my own stuff. And I hadn't dealt with any of it. And I was angry. And I just, I just wasn't, I wasn't a good partner, you know. And, yeah, that was it. But it sucks. I mean, you're only married for under, you know, like yeah. but it, and a and year. And it also but, takes time. I yeah. feel like. 
it takes time and you learn to become a good partner or a better partner, you know, and then hopefully eventually a good partner. But if you're not so young, you probably would have, you would have given it more time, right? To like, or you have a little bit, right. of, yeah. You you're a little bit ahead, yeah. But, but you're like a 21 or like, right, yeah, right, you're totally. Just like, I just, I mean, you just, you just don't know. But yeah, it was a, that was a really hard time in my life, and that was one thing that my dad told me when I had this conversation with him. He's like, I don't think I ever saw you in like a a, a harder point than when I got divorced because I lost everything. You know what I mean? I. It's telling Paul this the other day, like, I literally had a television. That was the only thing I took from my marriage. And I lost my kid. I lost my wife. And on my way into my house, I tripped and dropped my TV. And I just felt like that was it. Like, that was that breaking moment in your life where it was just like, nothing's going right. You know, you can't even carry a TV into my house without breaking it or you beat yourself up because you're like, could I have done more? And I, was I selfish? And then, yeah, I was selfish. And yeah, I could have done more. And But I didn't know how. Again, it's that, that same thing, right? Like you're just, you're immature. And finding that maturity is hard. You have to go through hard, hard things to find that maturity. And really what it takes to be a good husband or a good father or a good just partner or a good friend. Like even to this day, you know, like you're sitting here and you're like, could have been a better friend to this person and this person and this person. Yeah. And I should have reached out and, you know, like I think of how many good people come into your life and you just don't appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I think that was high school. Like our grade was so incredible. We had so many good people, genuine people, you know, and it's like you listen to people's story and you're like, Man, I wish I would have been your friend or I wish I could be your friend now, but it's probably weird if I reach out to you, <laughs> you know, like just like just stuff. Yeah. But it's like, I mean, reconnecting with you, it's like, we've had good conversations and with you Gonzo, it's like, we've had good conversations. And, and I mean, I feel like that's what we can do. It's just, just be, be that person today. Right. You know, totally. be that person that, and I think Cody Draper mentioned it on his episode, but I try to do that. Like I'm driving home. I'm like, I'll just scroll through my phone, and be like, who, well, maybe I'll have an hour drive right. home. Like, who am I going to call? I'll just call someone and just maybe chit chat for a little bit or, right. you know, just talk and trying to be that person that it's like, I, it, maybe I wasn't in high school. I could have been nicer. I could have reached out. And I, I, that's kind of what the beef section is. It's either I want to say sorry yeah. or like I, I, I'm waiting for someone to be like, you were an able <laughs> yeah. and then be like, I'm so yeah. sorry and yeah. like genuinely be sorry about yeah. it. You know, I, I want to do that and because I, yeah, I can't go back and be like, and I know I like, you know. See, and I feel like, I feel like I could have a whole episode on reverse beef, you know, where I'm apologizing <laughs> to everybody. I just wish I could give out this mask like, hey, I want to apologize to the 2004 class for just being selfish and yeah, being rude and, you know, not, not. Not being who I wanted to be because of my own insecurities, my own demons, my own battles that I was facing. But like, I can't explain it to people that like when you live two different lives, like how split you feel, but also like the mantle you feel when people know who you are, you feel like you have this reputation that you have to keep up. And it's just like this double standard where you're like, man, I need, I need a friend. I need help. And but I don't know how to ask. Yeah. Right. And I don't want people to know like, Oh man, this kid's addicted to pornography or, Oh man, this kid was molested. And I did share it with a few people. And like, I'm so grateful for 
for them for listening, you know, but again, like there's not a whole lot they could do at that time, Mm -hmm. but I appreciated their like sensitivity to it. And, you know, they kept it private and they didn't share. And that's, that was huge to me. So shout out to Robin Nelson. (laughs) Now, good job. (laughs) Thanks Robin. (laughs) So, and Ryan Borgmeyer, by the way, he also knew and a couple other people, but they, they kept it private and held it to their chest. And I just appreciate that. So, BJ, do we have any beef? Reverse beef, man. Like, I don't really <laughs> yeah. have beef with people. Like, I mean, if I did, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even share it because I just feel like it's not, Well, what about it's, with Steve? Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't have any beef with Steve. <sighs> we didn't really hang out a whole lot in high school. I don't, so I, probably, I, I don't know if we even hung out like one time. I don't either. I think we were friends. Like, it's one we're of those, cordial. Like, like, yeah, hey, how's it going? No beef with me. No beef with you. I don't have any beef with you. <laughs> You're a nice guy. <laughs> I, I doubt that. Uh, no, no, you were, and that's the other thing. It's like a, and you've talked about like a love, a double life or whatever. And I only saw the very nice, popular kid in school or whatever that, um, you know, and that was like super friendly and and nice. And to me, like, man, BJ's life is so easy. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> It was. But, it's super easy. <laughs> so that's the so, nothing going on. So obviously, yeah, it's like yeah. obviously was, that wasn't true. I think that's part. I think that's part of like why I wanted to come on the podcast. Honestly, is just like let parents know. Like, doesn't matter who you are, who your kid is in school. Like, you still can feel pain and hurt, and things can still happen to you. You're not invincible, even though we all thought we were. Yeah, like we weren't. And like, I, I think of the Stanford soccer player she's captain of her team and commits suicide right no one saw anything coming i think that that's something that we all need to be aware of as parents like that we're in this chapter of life that like we need to be involved and we really do because it it only takes one it only takes one bad moment in that day yeah one bad day and you can be here and what do you think the whole time like where where, where were the signs and it's like Oh, well, we've lost our temper here. Like, you're not going to be able to. And there's no closure in that. So, I just, yeah. Anyways, I was like a little plug for just parenting. Just be be involved in your kids' lives. Like, it's super important. And they're going through their own trials and tribulations. And we got to be aware of those, even at young ages. And in a harder time than we even Yeah. When we grew up. You know, you're Absolutely. talking about pornography. And we've talked about, like, that the accessibility today, like, bullying or social media and like right hate that kids may get or like some it's like i i feel like on my middle kids on roblox like playing roblox all the time and i'm just like have to keep looking like because a chat window will pop up and it's just like and it, i don't know if it's me but i'll like go back through <laughs> and like go through the parental controls be like turn off all chat like functions yep. you know it's totally. like i don't want some creeper like totally. <laughs> and it's hard because it's like you want to let them have freedom and they don't understand yeah. why you're being restrictive and you try to explain it but they're like Oh, I don't get it. You know, yeah, like, that doesn't make sense. Me. And they don't care because they're like innocent. Again, they're, it's they're like, like six. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was yeah. like my oldest. We were watching iCarly, a plug for iCarly on Netflix oh. or whatever. <laughs> Kennedy loves iCarly. She'll, yeah. she'll put a plug in for so us. So we were watching iCarly. <laughs> and then like in the middle, she just takes off and goes to the computer. She's just like, 
tries to like put on iCarly.com and I'm like, don't just put on random websites on the internet. You never know what's going to like. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, and it's like, that's not, it, it, it's not a real website. Someone should have picked up it's iCarly.com. Like when, you did, <laughs> when you did, when we were like 13, you were like, we went to Blockbuster, but you spelled it Blockbuster. <laughs> yeah, I just spelled Blockbuster. <laughs> like, Blockbuster.com. Like, was Dang. not, yeah, not what, was that Whoops. <laughs> you can't run movies here. <laughs> yeah. So, not those movies. Not, yeah, not those movies. <laughs> I want to say one thing. I just been thinking about this and I just want to share it because I want to. When you're talking about like living this div- double life and almost like you, I know you said Missy told you and maybe others are like, I didn't see you that way. I saw you as this awesome guy, whatever. There's this talk I listened to. I just, not to get all into like talks and stuff, but it's this thing called hand to hand combat with Satan by something brother black. I don't know his name, but he talks about how like one time he was just talking to this room full of, I think it was the teenagers that were just really struggling. I think they were in like a correctional facility and he's like, this is the hardest thing I, I ever gave. And like that whole time he was speaking to these troubled youth, he felt miserable. But everyone in that room was like, that was one of the most powerful things you could have said to us at that time. And I think as you're talking about that, I think that you, you felt like you were in like this dark, dark place but you were reaching out and you helped like your, your friends, like the people that remember you, they would talk about how good of a friend you were, even though you didn't feel that. And I, I just, it's been making me think of that story where he was just like all the effort in his, like his wife was like, you did awesome. But the moral of that story was all of the goodness that he would have felt, all of that energy was going toward like blocking out Satan. The Satan was just trying to make him feel horrible. Like, you need to stop talking to these people. Yeah. And I feel like that those demons that you were facing was like trying to stop you from feeling any good that you were doing. Yeah. But I can tell you that even though you and I were not like friends, like I always thought like BJ's a nice guy. The people that were closer to you, they knew you and they knew you in a way that you didn't even see yourself, but it doesn't mean you weren't like that. So even though it was back then, you did a lot of good back then and now you're still just sharing your story and I think it's helpful to people now. But I just I don't know why. I just wanted to share that. Thanks. No, that means That's a lot. <laughs> I just you know, you like look back and you just hope that you didn't hurt anybody. And I don't know. I just look at today and it's kind of the same thing, you know, there's so much hate. And I think we all give ourselves enough hate and discredit that like it's just I don't know, I just feel like kindness is the way to go and just to hear people. Like People want to share their story, they really do. And I think that that's just something we should do is invite that story to be told. Yeah. And yeah. Thank, so thank you. Thank you for coming and sharing your story. But my reverse beat, yeah. Yeah. I have to get this yeah, out. Let's I actually it. tried to contact her. I couldn't. I went through like a friend of a friend to like... But my reverse beef is with Lauren Sharp. And this comes back from middle school. Okay, we like, I don't know what we got in like in like a little argument about, but anyways, I told her I would never talk to her again. I actually said it was for three days and then it turned into like, I don't know how many years that is, but I haven't talked to her ever since. Like since middle school? Yes. Since eighth grade. Like we literally just like, I, for some reason it was like the silent treatment of silent treatments. And I wanted to apologize. The coldest shoulder. The coldest shoulder. Ever. <laughs> and I actually like. She's awesome and incredible. And I just wanted to to apologize to her. That was a, a really big beef, reverse beef that I had that 
I literally have held on to forever. I'm like, I don't know what happened or why I did it, but I literally was that stubborn and held it up. So that's my reverse beef. Lauren, come out to like barbecue with us and and BJ can apologize in person. <laughs> I will apologize. And I will also allow you to slap me in the face. Like, it's messed up. And we were good friends. And so I feel like it I'm was sure just... she lives in Eagle Mountain. <laughs> I know. Her, 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 her. <laughs> She's probably my neighbor. <laughs> now, that, that is it. But I think just like giving some shout outs, I just wanted just good people in general, right? Like, I think Hamza deserves a huge shout out. And I think everyone could admit that he's just a stand-up, incredible individual. Borgmeier is another one that I just, I can't help but think like how many people he he affected just by being respectful and, and honest. He was honest about who he was. Paul Curtis, just a phenomenal person. Jordan Johnson. Danielle Stocking, I think everyone could shout her out. She just had a way with people, you know, where she she was good. She was good with people. She was kind. You know, good, solid people. Robin's another one. She was one of my good friends, and I felt like I could always rely on her or tell her anything, and it would be a sealed secret. And I just appreciated those moments where you had those genuine connections. So, no, oh, thanks. I'm, I'm expecting some emails from these people so they can, like, come on. I know you won't get to it. I know you won't get a few of those, but that's okay. And I wasn't doing that to like call them out to come out on the podcast. I've already told them they should be on the podcast. And they're like, nah, I'm good. But it's like if you're feeling that burning in your bosom. Actually, one told me to come on, so I should I should call him out, but I won't. We'll call him out later. Yeah. We'll call yeah, him out in an email. Paul Curtis. <laughs> 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 Uh, thanks. Thank you so much, BJ. It's it's super fun, and it's nice to have you close. Now that it's getting warmer, you hit up some tennis. Yeah, some See more it. pickleball. Yeah, more pickleball. That was, but, that was fun. Yeah, I lost every match, but uh, I still had a, <laughs> I had a good time. And thanks to you guys. This is awesome. I think it's incredible. I think it gives people a platform to to open up and share their story, but also kind of find peace and healing along that process. Even in high school, because we're all kind of socially awkward or don't know how to express our feelings, you know. But I just. I appreciate everyone else sharing their story. I feel like it makes you relatable in a lot of ways. It just makes everyone relatable. And honestly, I think anyone could text anyone and be like, hey, I can share my story or like we can relate and empathize together. But I just think keep keep going. Like you guys, you're making a difference in people's lives. And it's been good for awesome. us. Yeah, I know. I know Steve and I both feel like it's been a good thing for us like personally. Yeah. Do you, and we can, do you have anything you want to promote? Not really. Missy and I have talked about doing a podcast, but we're not quite ready to, to launch it. But that is one that should be coming. Um, nice. I would also just promote mental health. That's something that I'm super passionate about because it's, it's helped. It's honestly saved my life. Not just helped my life, but it has saved my life. I just think it's super important. It's a connection that you just don't. You just don't find all the time and it's an outlet that you don't stress other people out, you know, or your wife or your husband or your partner. Um, it just allows you to be open and free with your thoughts and feelings without arguments or mm -hmm. offending people. So mental health is huge. It's a real thing. Depression's real. Suicide's real. Anxiety's real. Like don't dismiss those and they can happen at any age. 
So just be aware of that. But yeah, that would be my promotion. And if you need a therapist, give me a call. I have the best one ever. <laughs> so Noted. <laughs> well, thanks, BJ. It's been awesome catching up with you, and uh, we'll, we'll be hopefully getting together a lot more in the future. Awesome. Thanks, thanks for having me, guys. Oh, no problem. Steve, we just got done talking to BJ. What are your thoughts? I loved it. We connected a couple months ago. And, um, it's been, it's been really cool just talking with him. Uh, I've, I've talked to him, I feel like a lot the last few weeks, just maybe like, I like his neighborhood. I like your neighborhood. So we're driving around, like we're going to hopefully looking for an empty lot. <laughs> and like, I remember I drove past his house and he was like in his front yard barbecue and I was like, Oh shoot. And I was like, kept driving. I don't know what to do. And then Natalie's like, you are so awkward. And we're like, I don't know. And I'd turn around and then. You know, he was just gracious and like let us drop off our kids so we can go look at houses without kids screaming. But like we've connected with him a whole bunch and he had shared some of those things with us. And so we just thought, I know he wanted to come on and we wanted to have him on. And I love that he shared it. I loved how vulnerable and open he was. Um, And I think that those are things that like there were a lot of nuggets and a lot of lessons that he shared that I really hope people listening took in because we ourselves are still like all like we have friends and we ourselves have issues that we're dealing with and we're trying to improve on and we're trying to get better and whatever and heal. And also if we can teach our kids some of these things and look at our friends and look at our kids' friends and just try to create an environment where there is safety. Um, I just think it does happen quick. I think that this the molestation, it, it can happen just in the snap of a finger. And, you, you know, he shares in his story of how he felt in that time. And I hope that as a dad, I can create a relationship with my kids where if something like that happened, they wouldn't feel like I don't want anyone to know. Yeah. Because just like he said, like his dad was like, where is he? I need to, this guy up right now, like whatever it may be. And I feel like, what would I do if someone did that to one of my kids? Like, I don't know idea what I would do. Like, but I want to keep them safe. And I just hope that I can create a relationship with them that they would feel safe telling me that. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, BJ's, he's the sweetest guy, you know, a gentle person. And I, I, that's the thing. It's like when he says people didn't see that, but that's what he exuded. You know, he he always had a gentle spirit. He's always been a sweet guy. And it was heartbreaking to hear the stuff that he was going through. Mm-hmm. And I think I can somewhat relate to him. And I think all of us can relate to him too. And I, I think through the podcast is what he's saying, that he can relate to to everyone that's like, all of us have had stuff going on that we weren't sharing or that other people didn't know about now as adults, we can look back and, and, and not only just empathize with the kids that, that we were, but now have the opportunity to see, are are we going to be the the kind of people that reach out and have that, ask that second question, you know, ask like, instead of just, how are you? It's just like, how are you doing? Or like, it sounds like you aren't happy at work or 
it sounds like something's going on with your kids and really be interested in each other mm-hmm. and help uplift each other, make connections. You know, he says that's like what he's passionate about, like being that person that connects, being that person that is friendly, that can touch somebody's heart. And I see that in him. I see that in him in the, in the last couple months when we've connected and we've, the interactions that we've had, uh, I see that he's, he's changed. It was wonderful to have him on and I, I want to keep our, our connection going. I want to, um, you know, we just live two minutes away from each other. So it's, uh, we, sh- we can have karaoke night. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to join karaoke night or be on the podcast, send us an email. Jordan high 2004 podcast at gmail.com. Um, we, we love hearing from everybody and we love doing these. So reach out. Thank you. Bye. Bye.